Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul by chatting with incredible leaders, healers, and change agents who give us their messages of hope after overcoming challenges of their own. And today we're talking to Boston Marathon terror attack survivor, community builder, and blogger, Elena Brees. Are you, you wondering? Thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> Are you wondering how and when you'll finally overcome your traumas and move on? Do you know you're meant for something greater, but something from your past is holding you back? You're going to love hearing Elena because she's discovered the way forward from PTSD. And today she shares how you too get to grow, heal, and be your vulnerable self every day. How you get to work through your old wounds as well. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Elena. Thank you for having me. Sorry I interrupted you. It's totally fine. (laughs) I love that introduction. Thank you. Yeah, it's fun looking up. Okay, so one of the most interesting things of all, besides the fact that I don't talk to that many people that were at the Boston Marathon terror attack, I told you right before when we were talking, I was just at that site, and you always take a moment and kind of breathe, is that you couldn't find resources online of someone that looked like you suffering and recovering, I should say, from PTSD, which is so surprising. I mean, you, in research, you found a lot of military people, which of course, but not people, and that you didn't realize till like three years later. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think the bombing was almost 10 years ago. It'll be 10 years in April. And so the narrative around post-traumatic stress disorder was very military focused at that time. And even Mm -hmm. when I was hospitalized three years after the bombing, I really had a hard time finding someone who looked like me who was talking about this journey and how to heal. and, And so that's why I started Still Blooming Me. Yeah. Talk about how I find it fascinating and one of the things that you talk about, there's so many things in my head because um, okay. I've had other guests say, oh, I tried, I was put on meds, I was this and that, and, and none of that worked. And you do the EMDR therapy, and yes. my best friend swears by that. So can you talk about what that is and how that ended up being one of your solutions? And, your, yes. and I love that you use the term toolbox also. Yeah. I mean, I think EMDR is a great way to desensitize trauma in the brain. I also believe that coming at trauma from many different angles is important. And so that's why I do a lot of body work as well. But specifically, EMDR stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. And basically what they're doing in a therapy session when they're administering it is they're using bilateral stimulation. So either you're holding these vibrating tappers or they're using lights or sound or a combination of all of the three, which my therapist does while you're going through, you know, reliving these traumas and it helps to confuse what's happening in the brain and rebuild neuropathways. And so I started that almost six years ago, about six years ago after my hospitalization. And that along with acupuncture, working out, eating, taking supplements, seeing a naturopathic doctor. I also take medications now as well. I have to get good sleep. I mean, there's there are a lot of things I do. 
so that I can be here and be healthy for me and my kids and my husband and my family. So, yeah. So three years after the bombing, you ended up hospitalized. How did that come about? You talk about being in Target or in the grocery store and just having to leave. So it was a buildup. So I think I kind of have to back up a little bit at the time of the bombing. My kids were six months old and three. And when we came home from Massachusetts to Phoenix, I just kind of like jumped back into nursing and changing diapers and running after a toddler. And like, I failed myself. I was taking care of everyone around me and I failed myself. And so around the one year anniversary is when I started having symptoms of PTSD. I was having severe nightmares, night terrors, and insomnia. And I just, again, the nightmares were not about the bombing. So I wasn't making the connection that this is why I was having Okay. So I'm going to interrupt. Did you talk to other people? Were you in contact with other people who had been at the site and had been there? So I was with my brother-in-law standing with him waiting for my husband when the bombs went off. And we did not talk about what we went through together. It's so interesting. I know. Isn't that interesting? I think Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. And, And now we talk about it, but I think I kind of really made, I did make a conscious decision when I came home, like, I'm going to forget about this. I'm going to forget about what I saw and smelled and felt and all of it, but my body didn't forget. And so when I started having really serious problems, I was not making the connection back to the bombing at all. And no one around me was saying, hey, I think what you're feeling could be related to the bombing. But also, I was having a hard time verbalizing really what I was feeling too, because it it was it felt so awful. So it took about three years. I was having panic attacks in public places, like you mentioned in Target. I was having a hard time driving. I would have like these almost PTSD episodes that would get triggered and it would kind of affect my sleep and my anxiety and depression and my weight. I would drop a lot of weight because I would kind of stop eating and just taking care of myself, you know? And on July 16th, 2016, I was watching the news and that was the day a a man drove a bus through Bastille Day celebrations in Nice, France. And I saw the footage of that. I heard a witness being interviewed and I had a complete physical somatic experience of a panic attack. I don't really know how else to, you know, I felt like I was having a heart attack basically. And that kind of spiraled me into, I stopped eating. I stopped sleeping because I was waking up with these panic attacks. And three weeks later I was hospitalized. So it was a build up and I wasn't listening to myself. I wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't getting in deep and I didn't have the awareness of what was happening to me. Yeah. And at that point, did you know it was tied to the bombing when you did that? It was a trigger. Were you able to? Yes. Okay. When, when that final piece of the Bastille Day attack, when that happened, I happened to be in Massachusetts at the time. I reached out to one of my best friends who is in Massachusetts. And I said, this is what's happening. This is what I'm feeling. And she's like, Elena, she's a psychology high school teacher. She teaches (laughs) high school psychology. And she said, of course, you're having 
post-traumatic stress. Like you just saw your own attack in these people. You heard what he said. That's what you experienced too. Like you're having, you have PTSD. And then I was like, okay, but I didn't really know where to go from there, you know? And it wasn't until like sometime, like three weeks had passed and I had become suicidal. I mean, I think losing sleep like that is just, it's impossible sleep to deprivation. stay sane. Yeah, absolutely. Sleep deprivation yeah. and nauseousness, I think are the two most debilitating things. That's just mm-hmm. my own personal opinion, but yes, yeah. they just take you down fast. So here you are, you're hospitalized. How long were you hospitalized? About a week and a half. And it was really awful. They made me sicker. They kind of threw every medication at me. I had never been on anything before. And they were just trying to like stabilize me and then send me on my way with all of these different doctors that I needed to see. So it became like a puzzle that that I had to put together myself and figure out, okay, you're now like the CEO of your own healing and you need to find the right team to take care of you and see you through this time. Yeah. Yeah. I I interviewed somebody else. She went through the same, I mean, not that, but she went through her own breakdown and to break through is really what I'm, I keep thinking then she had her own breakthrough and she came up with her own, she does yoga. She does, she found her own homeopathic and, and she's very vocal about it too. And yeah, it's a whole, it's a toolbox. It is. And and we all come up with our own, our own prescription, so to speak, that works. And I love that you give back now, like, here's what you have found that works and you are, you've become a blogger, you have, you help so many people. So how did you come up with your own, here, they send you on your way a week and a half later with all these meds and all these people to see, how did you decipher what works for you? Oh, it took time. I think the most important part of it was just being open-minded enough to be willing to try whatever it was. I mean, I would have run through a chicken coop naked if you told me that that would heal me. So I was just ready to do whatever it took. And I think that's what propelled me forward into healing maybe faster than some people, although it didn't feel fast when I was going through it because I just, I've tried everything and I continue to try things and I'm so grateful that I live right now when so much money and research and dedication is going into mental health. And there are some truly great tools that you can keep with you that are not pharmaceuticals that will get you through these moments. I just kind of had to uncover them. But again, it took a lot of time and willingness to to do the work. Okay. So let's talk about what those tools are, because the fact that you don't have to take pharmaceuticals. Is I do take relief. pharmaceuticals. I know you did say that. No, you did. You did say <laughs> yeah. that. But there's tools that aren't. Yes, and oh gosh, and yes. I love talking about those. So some of them are apps. Honestly, there's a couple of apps I'll share. One was recommended by my EMDR therapist. It mimics EMDR, so it, it's called Anxiety Release. It costs five dollars. It was created by a world-renowned EMDR therapist. It has guided meditations. You listen to it with headphones on. So it stimulates the bilateral. You get that bilateral stimulation with sound and it's incredible. That is a very good 
app for anyone with anxiety, panic, but again, it's something you should share with your doctor and talk to them first to make sure that you can tolerate that kind of stimulation. The other app that I love right now is called Tapping Solutions, and it's where you use an EFT protocol, I guess, where you're tapping on different points in your body while listening to guided meditations. That's also a paid app. And they have a meditation for everything you can think of. (laughs) And I also love Insight Timer. It's free. There are meditations from all practitioners all around the world. and, And I love their content too. Some of the other things that I like are supplements. I mean, CBD has been a huge part of my healing. I probably don't use it as consistently as I used to because now I have some other supplements and things that I use, but it's great. And I found some really great clean CBD products that I share on my website. I also love some of the devices and wearables that we're seeing now for anxiety. I use a CalmeGo device. It's a device that you breathe through and it it has it's multi-sensory. So while you're breathing through it and you're focusing on your prolonging your exhalation, it is lighting up, vibrating, calibrating your breath to get you to prolong that exhalation. And the prescription is that you use this three minutes a day and over time you'll see a decrease in your anxiety. And that that actually is very true. I love the device. I use it and keep it with me. I mean, I love homeopathy. I you I have a constitutional remedy that I take every day that helps. I I could go on and on. Yeah, no, I don't I, know I, what I, you I, want me to no, talk about. I love these things because I'm always yeah. asking, you know, what do you do when you're having a I mean, these are yeah. the things I, I love. I mean, I love journaling, I love meditation. Yes. I'm somebody yes. that I do gratitude lists every day that I've done for a decade. You know that I, I speak with my friends, yeah. so so I, I that's why I'm not stopping you. <laughs> okay, well I think I think it's important to have many different things that you can reach for because anyone who has anxiety, depression, or PTSD knows that a tool will work for a while, and then it won't be as effective anymore. Just like sometimes, really? Xan- yes, just like Xanax or any pharmaceutical, tools lose their effectiveness. You have to keep this monster guessing. And that's why it's important to have a few different things at your disposal that you can reach for. I mean, I have a weighted blanket that I love. My whole family steals it from me. They love it too. What does a weighted blanket do? I'm sorry. I just, I mean, a weighted blanket to me just sound like, sounds like it'll keep me warm. So I was, I was looking at it for that purpose. So I have no idea. No, they're very tell good. And re- like they're researching them for kids with sensory issues and, you know, autism and all these things, mm-hmm. but it, it's basically so heavy. I think my blanket weighs 30 pounds. And if I'm having a hard time sleeping at night and I'm really restless, it will wake me up. And so sometimes I'll just grab that blanket and it, it just puts pressure on the body and it makes you feel like you're just tight in a warm hug. It doesn't work for everyone. But again, like that's what me talking about these tools is about. I'm trying to share many of them. So if something sticks with someone and it works for them, then great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. So where do you learn about all of these? On my own. It's yeah. trial, a trial and error. I reach out to a lot of these companies and say, hey, I have a following. Can I try your product? And then if I think it's worth it and helpful, 
then I will share it. I'm not someone that just shares everything. I get approached all the time to share different things. And yeah. some, some of it out there is gimmicky and that's just not who I am. So yeah, I just try and share very honestly my experience with these tools. And yeah, I yeah. saw the commie go on your website. I was like, so I was glad that you explained what it was because I was like, what is this? Thing? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad you saw you, you said it. And by the way, all of everything of Elena's, there will be links to everything on the show notes, of yeah. course, and everywhere. So don't worry, you'll you'll know where to find all of this. Okay, so the acupuncture. You yes. are a big advocate of that. How did yes. that come about? Did that because here and have you been doing that a long time? And yes, a very good friend who's a huge acupuncturist. She she was actually a guest on the show. Oh uh, my gosh, a year incredible. or two. Yeah, she's she's a huge. Yeah. Well, I love acupuncture. So similar to tapping solutions, which works with those meridians that you're right. tapping I've had, on. I've had two people that do tapping on the show. Okay, people. I've had Mary so, Sice, who, who's back in the like late 80s started tapping. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, so you have different meridians in your body and your energy kind of flows through these meridians and and that includes different organs and points on the body. And sometimes our energy can get stuck in those areas. So I use acupuncture to move the energy through my body. It's so beneficial for multiple ailments, not just mental health, physical health. I mean, oh, hormonal yeah, she, yeah, she uses it for hormonal and people who are yes. having trouble getting pregnant and like yes, fertility and issues. Fertility, she uses yeah. it for so many different, it's so old. I mean, it's, well, it's, like, it's Chinese practice. medicine. Yeah. It's been practiced for thousands of years. Yeah. I mean, they knew so much about the body and basically they're using these tiny needles to puncture the like first few layers of the dermis, the skin. And I love acupuncture so much that I, I'm considering going to school to be an acupuncturist right now. So I just got to get my family on board because <laughs> it's like she, a four-year PhD it, it is. It is. Yeah. But I have to say that my, I'm trying to remember one of my kids, when they hurt their ankle when they were little, she came over and she like did the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like to, so, to, yeah. I loved it so much. And kind of an offshoot of acupuncture is auricular therapy. Do you know anything no, about I, that? No, I don't know that one. Have you heard about ear seeds? No, tell me about that. This so is so interesting. Your ear is a microsystem of your body. And there are about 150 points on the ear that correlate to different points on the body. And just like acupuncture, you can use these ear seeds to treat a multitude of ailments. And I love it so much that I got certified in it a few years ago. Wow. So where do you touch touch to heal different parts? So there are these tiny of vicaria seeds that are attached to an adhesive, almost like a little band-aid. And you apply them to different points on the ear and the mm-hmm. patch stays on for about three to five days, like to continue that alleviating whatever it is you're treating. But I've used them on my kids, on my husband. I mean, my daughter had food poisoning. I stopped her throwing up after seven hours. I was like, what can I try? It, let's try an ear seed. <laughs> so it's just another tool in my toolbox that I use all the time here at home in my life. I share it with people. If it sticks, great. If it doesn't, maybe there's another tool they'll love. So, Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. Are they on your website? The ear seeds? Yeah, they're on my website too. Yeah. Oh, that's great. My friend loves her doing her acupuncture. That's 
That's something really, really good. So when somebody says is they have this feeling that they're not doing what they're meant to do here and they're afraid to make that leap, what would you tell them? Well, I'm kind of going through that right now too. I think with the healing, I can kind of talk about healing and from PTSD when it, Mm -hmm. you know, and how that relates to that. It's like that song, you're going on a bear hunt and you can't go, you can't go over the swamp. You can't go around it. You have to go through it. And so much of this I've learned is just going through it, being present for it, telling yourself you're safe, being gentle with yourself through it. And I think having that experience, I've been able to kind of apply it to some other parts of my life that have been challenging. But also one of the other things I've learned through this is we're born with gifts. We're born with gifts and you have to tap into those gifts when you're going through something hard. Like I was born with incredible patience. I inherited it from my mom and my husband who's from Boston has no patience. So he's like, you're so patient. And I used that gift so much through this journey because I had to just sit with these feelings sometimes and be present with them. And it was so hard. So that gift really helped me. My gift of creativity, I kind, I've always been a very creative person and, and that has helped influence Still Blooming Me and kind of building this beautiful space where people can go and feel like they're not alone. And that has helped me heal too. So I think part of going through something hard is really just diving deep, identifying those gifts that you have and, and using them, using them. Yeah, let's talk about how you became this blogger and just started putting that out there because I think that's just so cool that you started doing that thinking, oh, nobody's going to read this because there was nothing for you. Yeah, so I started journaling in the hospital. Basically, like the only thing I had were a composition book and like a tiny little pencil. So I just started journaling my feelings and a lot of it, I mean, even pages of it were just like, I want to live. How am I going to live? You know, how am I going to embrace this challenge I've been given? And so a few weeks after I got out of the hospital, a very close friend of mine was going through my journal with me and she's like, you've got to share this. Like people want to know, they want to hear about this. I mean, what you went through was awful and now and you're still going through it and people have moved on like the world has moved on they've forgotten about the bombing but you're still living with this trauma of these seconds of your life so i started just a blog and i thought okay no one's going to read this this is mainly for me to capture this moment in my life and if not for anything just for my kids to read one day when maybe they're going through a hard time and they need to know that they will get through it. Like this is what I can do for them in that moment. So I started sharing and then my blog was recognized by Maria Shriver not long after. And I was named an architect for change on her her website, which is incredible. And I love her tools. She just does such a great job. So I wrote a piece for her and that kind of propelled, I think, some of the following. And now I have followers in like 80 plus countries. And so I just keep writing and sharing for them. And 
and I get good feedback and people keep following. So I just keep going. You're helping people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a helping kind of, it's like, there was nothing for you. So here you are, you're helping others. And they probably say, Hey, I'm doing this. You probably get some ideas from some people saying like, a lot of ideas this is working for me. And, and also, okay. So, and I also saw you did a daring greatly workshop. Did you? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. So I wanted to hear about that. My EMDR therapist is certified with Brene Brown's Research Institute to mm-hmm. teach her content. So she does workshops several times a year and anyone can participate. In fact, we had a gentleman from LA who was in our group, but it's a very small group. She has a boat in San Diego on the bay and our retreat was there. It was two days. And it's intense content. I mean, Daring Greatly, the content is based on Brene Brown's book. And so we dove into like vulnerability and shame and all of these things. But it was a two-day workshop and it was great. I try and do a a retreat like that at least once a year just to kind of like keep my saw sharp. And I always learn something and it's, it's good for me. So this year was the daring greatly. And then in March, we will be doing the next Brene Brown retreat. So. Okay, good. Yeah. I just thought, I thought that was interesting. I think retreats are always good. It's all peeling the onion. It's getting to, it's getting to the meat of stuff. And when we're ready, Uh, I just think it's so good. Do you have a message of hope you want to give? I think the world right now is kind of going through it. You know, we've been through a collective trauma the last few years with COVID. And I don't even know if we're in a better place right now than we we were then. So I think my advice would just be to be gentle with yourself, like I mentioned before. And sometimes just turn off the noise and just focus on what's happening in your own home doing your best there and trying to move forward the best you can with those gifts that you have in mind that you know you're born with using those gifts to get you through what's hard. Yeah. Give yourself grace. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody has gifts. Everyone has their own unique handprint. And you're the first person. I, I love that you have the patience. I don't know. You're the first person I know that said, and I have the gift of patience. Yeah. Oh, yay. Yay, you. I think it's a virtue, actually. <laughs> it, I don't it, know. But yeah. It, it definitely is. Oh, that's so great. And is there anything else that I should have asked you that will be done? And you'll be like, Lauren should have asked me this <laughs> that no, you want to share? I okay. Oh, so. no. I think <laughs> what you're doing here is great. And I love your work. And thank you for including me. Oh, thank you. Thanks for being a guest today on 52 Weeks of Hope. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you Elena's messages of authenticity, connection, and patience with yourself. Such great messages to take into your week ahead. Remember to focus on the good, surround yourself with positive people who you can be yourself with. Practice positive self-talk and get outside at least once a day for your own mental well-being. If you're on the email list, I gave some really good authenticity suggestions why you actually feel free when you are your authentic self. If you're not on the email list, just go to the website at 52weeksofhope.com and you can get on the email list that way. Or you can text 52HOPE, the number 52HOPE, to 66866. 
and you can get on the email list that way. Just text 66866, the number 52HOPE to 66866, and you can get on the email list that way too. Remember to be kind to yourself this week. Give yourself patience and compassion, the same patience and love that you'd give to your best friend or to your dog. At least treat yourself as well as you treat them. Be sure to tune in next week for another empowering episode all about how to live abundantly, authentically, and mindfully. Mindfulness is so important right now, especially in these coming weeks. Learn how to get rid of that empty, something's missing feeling, and how to tap into your own inner joy and feel the magic of life. It's a great episode next week. If you're enjoying the podcast, share the love and tell two of your friends. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening.